glad that you are here at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church today. I'm going to ask that if you will please stand in the reverence for the reading of God's Word. Today our sermon text will be in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And I'm going to read the entire proverb for us, the entire chapter. But we're going to be focused just on certain verses today. But please listen to the reading of God's Word. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. From men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked, and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Let's pray. Father God, I pray at this moment that you would center our thoughts on the hearing of your word. We have just read wisdom here. Sometimes, Father, we think we know what a wise life looks like. We know what the path of righteousness looks like. But far too often, dear God, we are deceived. And I pray, God, that through your word today that you would teach us and you would provide for us wisdom. But more so, God, that you would show us where that wisdom is located, that you would show us where we can find wisdom. It is through your word, it is through the salvation of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can ever hope to understand righteousness. And I pray, God, that right now you would speak into our hearts. God, that you would awaken within us a desire to learn what is right and good. And all that is in your Son, Jesus Christ, is exactly that. So teach us today, Father, we pray. Change us and mold us into the likeness of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. Please have a seat. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself standing at two different choices all the time. How many people do that? Yeah. 
Sometimes it looks like more than two choices. Maybe the discernment that we have to make is so complicated it's like a spider web trying to navigate through all of the intricacies of that. The book of Proverbs is a wonderful gift to us from God himself, teaching us what it means not only to walk uprightly, but also I think the book of Proverbs points more to Jesus Christ than we give it credit for or that we acknowledge or see. And today I hope that in uh, this sermon in the second chapter of Proverbs, we will begin to see exactly where wisdom is located and, it, and that wisdom comes directly in our salvation. Let's take a look here at what Solomon is trying to teach us. This chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs can be split up into three different sections. If you look at the first four verses, it says Solomon is setting the stage for the rest of his teaching. The first four verses, it's like a conditional clause. If you read these first four verses, you see, if you do this, then this will happen. Are there always consequences to any choice or any action that we make, whether that consequence is positive or negative, whether that consequence is, is uh, peaceful or, or not peaceful? It's, there are always conditions to our actions. And so it, Solomon introduces this teaching with conditional clause. If you do this, then this will happen. The middle part of this chapter, verses 5 through 11 actually shows us what the outcomes are for a righteous living. If you pursue righteousness, here's what the, right, what the outcome looks like. Right? The, the, the right relationship with Christ is actually what is the outcome of pursuing righteous living. And God grants this as a gift of wisdom. And he gives us this voice to follow to the path of righteousness. We're going to actually look at that in more depth here in just a second. And lastly, the last part of this chapter, verses 12 through 22, is actually, I think, points to how salvation in Jesus Christ helps us see exactly what this righteous living is. This pointing to righteous living is only found in the salvation that we can have through Jesus Christ. And I see that in verses 12 through 22. So let's take a look at what Solomon is trying to teach us. Very often in Proverbs, and I would say not just in Proverbs, but throughout all of Scripture, uh, we see imagery here of two different paths to follow. You could also say that looking at these paths to walk down would be akin to listening to two different voices. This new generation of children, I think, are neglected because they don't really see the Looney Tunes cartoons that we grew up on where you had, you had a li- one voice on one shoulder and another voice on another shoulder, and on one voice you had a little devil trying to tell you to do the things that was easy, and over here you had the little angel trying to tell you don't listen to the evil, right? And it always seemed in, the, in those Looney Tunes cartoons that it was the evil voice that would beat up on the good voice, right? They'd just beat them up. I think we see this in the book of Proverbs very clearly. That idea from uh, Looney Tunes cartoons was not something they invented in their studios. I think it comes from ancient, wise teachings, much of it from Scripture. This is one of the things in our human condition, that we are pulled two different directions all the time. And the wisdom of Solomon here is teaching us exactly which path to follow and which voice to listen to. I will, I'm going to argue here that, that this path of wisdom is the path of Jesus Christ because Jesus himself is wisdom. 
I'm going to say that one more time. The path of wisdom is the one that leads to Jesus Christ because Jesus himself is wisdom. The other path here is, and this is a word we don't use very much, but I love it. It's the path of folly, the path of foolishness. And this is the path that really is the path of our own self-serving direction, a self Self, a selfishness that directs every choice that we make. And Proverbs shows us that when we are going down a path of selfishness, self-determination, it will always lead to folly and foolishness. What do we see here? Verses 1 through 4 of Proverbs chapter 2. Solomon is speaking again to his son. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your ear to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What does this look like? This is real... This is, again, this conditional clause. If you make your ear attentive to wisdom, then your heart will understand. If you call out for insight and raise your voice, then it will be like silver. It'll be like this hidden treasure that you're seeking after. And if you do all of these things, then you will understand not just yourself and the world you live in. You will understand, verse 5, the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God like a treasure. But the voice of Solomon here to his son, I'm going to say, is akin to God speaking to us because if God's word is God speaking to us, even as Solomon is speaking these Proverbs, this is the voice of God, a father speaking to us, his children. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, in other words, look at God's words, his insight as treasure to be desired. Seek that above all things. And if you find it, if you seek it, it's like silver. It's in search for a hidden treasure, verse 4. And if we obtain this treasure, these, this richness of the wisdom of God, then we will understand the fear of the Lord. We'll understand the right place that we have before a holy and righteous God. You see, the Proverbs of Solomon, I think, are very, very profound in the fact that the Proverbs of Solomon do not tell us what to do. Instead, the Proverbs of Solomon tell us why we should do it. Think about this, as you're trying to teach your children, how, how obedient are your children when you tell them what they better do or else? They're going to obey, disobey every single time. <laughs> well, mom and dad said I shouldn't do it. Let's go test the waters. Let's figure out why. Because really, fundamentally, all of us as children, if we are told what to do and what not to do, we want to know why. And if we're not told why, we're going to go figure out why. Which means we're going to disobey what we are told to do to see what the, what the circumstances are. But the wisdom of Solomon here is whenever you read the Proverbs, he's not telling his, chill, his son, you better do this or else. He's telling him why he should do it. He's telling him why we should do the good. And as he's introducing this chapter here in chapter 2 of Proverbs, Solomon, the, the, the wise father, is telling the son, if you seek after God's wisdom, if you listen to my words, it will be like silver. Here's why you do it. Because my words are treasure. And they'll be the best thing for you. Now, looking further in this wonderful chapter, Solomon is now teaching his son, beginning in verse 5, 
Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. Where does this wisdom come from and this understanding that you're finding, this understanding and wisdom that is treasure? Where does it come from? Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so Solomon the father here is really showing us now the father speaking to the son. To the Son is God speaking to us all. Because this wisdom that is spoken by Solomon the king is the wisdom of God Himself. God is speaking through Him. For the Lord gives wisdom. If you want to understand how to live a righteous life, wisdom is applying knowledge. We talked about that last week. Knowledge is knowing how to do something, a skill. Wisdom is knowing how to use it how to apply it. But we see here in verse 6 that both knowledge and wisdom come from God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Wow. The helpful outcomes of following a life of, of wisdom... Following the life of obedience is actually these helpful outcomes, the helpful consequences to listening to the words of wisdom. These helpful outcomes produce right, are produced by righteous living, but I would also say these helpful outcomes produce righteous living. It's kind of a both and thing. As we are pursuing righteousness, as we are pursuing the wisdom of God, not only will a righteous life be the result... That righteous life is the result of pursuing righteousness. It's a both-and situation. You see, all of this comes from, how do we know? How do we know how to live righteously? The right relationship with Christ is the helpful outcome from listening to God the Father and His wisdom. You see, because where, how do we do this? How do we gain wisdom? In verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. If we desire wisdom, if we're seeking after wisdom, wisdom is not something that we make of our own, of our own choosing. Wisdom is not something that we manufacture. According to verse 6, the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of God himself is telling us, you want wisdom, guess where it comes from? The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Now notice this. How do we get this wisdom? Notice the language in verse 6, for the Lord does what he gives wisdom. In other words, wisdom is a gift. It is not something that we manufacture of ourselves. Wisdom is not something that, that we give ourselves. The outcome of pursuing righteousness and listening to God's teachings is a gift. This is how Solomon himself obtained the greatest wisdom of any human being ever known to live. In 1 Kings chapter 3, we know that God gives Solomon the gift of wisdom. Solomon doesn't manufacture all of this by himself. God himself grants it to him as a gift. And so if we desire wisdom, desire it. If you're living foolishly, you're not desiring wisdom. You desire foolishness. Big difference. For the Lord gives wisdom. It is a gift. It is the outcome of seeking the right life. Actually, just seeking life itself will ultimately lead to God's wisdom as he desires it. Now, notice that this gift that God gives, who does he give it to? Verses 6 through 8 show us exactly who God gives wisdom to. 
this, this right here, this teaching right here, it goes contrary to our contemporary society where everyone is entitled to their gifts. Everyone is entitled to whatever it is that they want, so you better give it to me. It's the attitude of the government, uh, of the citizens to the government, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's the attitude of, I want to argue very strongly, uh, many of the youngest generation now, for parents and grandparents, is, you owe it to me, give it. That sounds like the prodigal son talking to his father. Give me my, what is rightly due me. No, a gift is something that God does, discerns and, and distributes on his own choice. Who does God give wisdom? God grants wisdom to those who follow his voice. God grants wisdom as a gift to those who follow the path of righteousness. God gives wisdom to those who desire it and are humble enough to receive it as a gift rather than a demanding entitlement. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Verse 7 and 8 he, speaking of God, stores up sound wisdom for who? The upright, the righteous. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, for the righteous. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. We could say this, that the Lord gives wisdom uh, because He is a shield or a buckler, like the King James says. The Lord gives wisdom to the godly, to the righteous. He is a shield or a buckler to those who walk in integrity. This wisdom that God gives as a gift is something that is so precious and valuable. God is going to protect it. The Lord protects this wisdom He grants. Therefore, He does not just throw it out there to anyone to trample. He is a shield a buckler. He gives it to the saints, the upright. Verse 8, The Lord guards the paths of the justice and the watching over the way of His saints. Notice here that, that the language here in verses 6 through 8 is showing God Himself, the Lord, as someone who is standing there between us and something very precious. He is a shield. He is a buckler. He is the guardian. He is the keeper, the King James says. I don't know about you, but if, if you think about someone who is on guard duty, what are they guarding? They're guarding something that no one is allowed to just take. That's why a guard is set in place. That's why the keeper is set there with the keys. You cannot get through the gates unless the keeper opens the gate for you to get in. God is described here in this proverb, for the Lord gives wisdom. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He is guarding the paths of justice. And He watches over the way of His saints. The language here, the description here, is as if God Himself is watching over those that, are, that He considers His own. He's watching over those that are precious to Him. And who is it that are precious? Who are the ones that he's watching over? Those that he grants wisdom to. Those that he grants love and understanding to. And this is love and understanding not just of life in general, but understanding of God himself. Is that not just wonderful? 
Has anybody ever sat around and pondered, what is God thinking? Who is God? Why, does, why am I even thinking about Him? Who is this God that calls me to love Him? You ever have those questions? The only way to understand the righteousness of God is through His wisdom alone that God Himself gives, and that right there is something that is shielded and guarded. That should teach us exactly how valuable life with God is. It's not something to be flippantly lived. It's not something to be taken for granted. This relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, is so precious and valuable. It it, It requires wisdom from God Himself to even manage. Now, when we come to knowledge here, let's, let's also understand what Scripture means by knowledge. I, I, I gave the definition earlier that knowledge is knowing how to do something. Wisdom is knowing how to apply it. In Scripture, knowledge is often referred to in the, in the idea of an intimate relationship, knowing someone so well. It's like a marriage relationship. Knowledge of your spouse is not just a passive knowledge. It is something that is intimate. It is relational. And it takes time to gain. The same idea applies to the relationship between God the Father and and those that He calls His righteous, His holy ones, the godly ones, the upright, the saints. If we are in that category, if we're considered a saint, if we're considered upright, if we're considered godly men, then we have knowledge that requires an intimate relationship with the giver of the wisdom. Without that intimate relationship, knowledge is worthless. Now let me, think, let me have you think this through. If knowledge is equal to an intimate relationship, then relationships depend on faith, don't they? Don't you have to have a little bit of faith in your relationships with your family, with your friends, with your spouse? A little bit of faith. I think a lot of faith is necessary there to keep a relationship going. So if knowledge is equal to an intimate relationship, then relationships also depend on faith very much so. Then faith in God's gift leads us to wise relationship with Him. And this wise relationship with God the Father founded on faith in His gift comes through this pursuit of wisdom. And a pursuit of wisdom requires faith in what you're pursuing. Now we're getting a little deep, aren't we? If you're pursuing a treasure, if you're desiring something, do you not have faith as you pursue it and search it out that you're going to get it, that it's out there somewhere? If you already possessed what you're pursuing then there's no reason to pursue it, so it's not in your hands. It's out there somewhere, and you're desiring it, and you're searching for it. And there's a faith that it's there, number one, and then a greater faith that you'll possess it someday. And that is the motivation to keep going. And so if the pursuit of wisdom requires faith in this wisdom, who is it that we have faith in ultimately as God's children? That is Jesus Himself. Do we pursue the righteousness that Jesus Himself provides as God's gift to us? We see this in the Proverbs law. It's not spelled out directly that the wisdom here is Jesus because clearly Solomon would not have known the name of Jesus. He would not have known who Jesus was going to be. Yet there was still a faith that God would be providing salvation through His Messiah. 
And this wisdom comes through that. Now, if this pursuit of wisdom that requires faith to keep us moving on, what does that lead to? It leads to Jesus Christ. It leads to God Himself giving the gift of Jesus and and God who gives wisdom as the only gift that we could ever perceive from Him. He gives us wisdom as a gift and this gift is given to us, His holy ones. I want to say that wisdom spoken of here in Proverbs is the salvation of the ones who pursue God. Wisdom is the salvation that God is giving us as a gift. If we are not in wisdom, then we are in foolishness and we need rescuing in ways that many people do not understand. Because when we're in the foolish state, when we are pursuing foolishness, that's the very definition of foolishness. We are ignoring what is right and good and we're drowning in our own ignorance. And God, as a loving God, gives us a gift of wisdom to, number one, recognize our state of misery and to recognize that we are foolish and ignorant in need of His wisdom. And that wisdom comes through His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we know who God is. And so wisdom is this salvation that God gives us as we pursue Him. Wisdom, then, is like salvation. It is, wisdom is both a gift to be received, but wisdom is also something to be worked out. Sounds a lot like salvation, doesn't it? Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, tells us in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now the idea here in Philippians chapter 2 is not that we earn our salvation, not at all. That is a false teaching that I will say that I have heard several times on local Christian radio broadcasts. Many pastors in this area will drive this point home that we have to work for our salvation, they have totally, totally misinterpreted this passage. What God is telling us through the Apostle Paul in this text is that salvation is something that is, look in verse 13, for it is God who works in you. Salvation is God's work in us, but it is also this tension that we continually struggle with That's why it is working out or accomplishing your own salvation with fear and trembling as God himself does the work in us. We are at tension between the holiness and the gift of God and through his son Jesus Christ and our earthly foolishness tied to this fleshly world. There is this tension that even though salvation is 100% purely God's gift, we are still struggling to live out that salvation in this life that we have. That's what this text means. So take that as well and apply it to what Solomon is trying to teach us in the book of Proverbs. When he's talking about wisdom, number one, he's telling us in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, that this is a gift of God because all wisdom comes from God's mouth and His understanding. But this is also something that 
the book of Proverbs is challenging us to seek after, to strive for, and to work toward. It is a both and. If God gives us the gift of wisdom, he's giving us that gift of Christ, but it is also something that we work for as we strive to find it, as we strive to perceive it, as we strive to understand it. It is a both and. The salvation is granted, no questions. To understand this salvation? Has anybody figured out their salvation in Jesus Christ, what all that means yet? Not in its full nuance, you haven't. We will not fully grasp the vastness of that glory until we get before the throne of God Himself. And so in this life, we will constantly be battling between two paths, two voices. The voice of wisdom, which is Jesus, and the voice of folly, which is selfishness and self-serving desires. It is this passion of God to give us wisdom But in order to give us wisdom, God himself gives us a desire for it so that we seek after it. Now let's drop down in Proverbs chapter 2 down to verse 20. Verse 20, Solomon teaches us, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Here, I don't think we could get it any more clear. There are two things happening. You have the path of the upright, good men, and you have the path of the wicked. One leads to integrity, one leads to treachery. Two different things. Solomon speaks of two paths. The path of destruction is folly. The path of life is wisdom. And in order to walk in the way of the good, we walk in the path of life, which is the path of wisdom. Verse 20, another translation here which I like is, so that you will walk in the way of the good men. In order to be a good human being, you must keep the paths of righteousness. Now, do not be confused here. The wisdom of Solomon is not telling us that if we do righteousness, then we will be good. That is a works righteous teaching that we clearly see in the Gospels and in the New Testament as false. Instead, what God is trying to teach us in the Proverbs is there is a good path and there is an evil path, but the good path can only be walked If you are in the walking with Christ, if you are in the path of Christ, that is the good path by which we see wisdom and righteousness. The 20th century theologian Carl Henry, if you do not know who he was, he he was one of the founding presidents of Fuller Seminary out in California. He was also, I think, one of the founding editors of Christianity Today at the time. Carl Henry was considered probably the most genuine American theologian uh, that we ever produced other than, than Jonathan Edwards. Carl Henry has this to say. He says, The redemptive hope of Scripture rests in the righteous substitute, the Messiah. Jesus rejected any suggestion that fallen man's relation to the law determines his relation to God. 
That relationship to God depends instead on the sinner's vital relationship to the sinless Messiah. Did Jesus himself not teach us that following the law led to to folly? And did Paul not teach the same thing? Following the law leads to folly, leads to failure. When we depend on the law to determine our relationship with God, then we have missed the point. Instead, it is the relationship to God that gives us an understanding of the vital relationship to Jesus Himself. You see, this is what the book of Proverbs is pointing to. Rather than looking at the book of Proverbs as a list of do's and don'ts, instead of looking at the Proverbs as a list of laws to obey in order to live a good life, the book of Proverbs is actually pointing to the righteousness that is only available through Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is the gift of God, then Jesus Christ, I could say, is what Solomon is speaking about here as wisdom. You see, throughout all of the New Testament, all throughout early Christian life, even today, there is this idea of the law of love, right? What did Jesus teach uh, the rich young ruler? He said, if you wish to possess the kingdom of God, you must obey the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is a twofold law of love that is the foundation to the Christian life. And in order to understand God's wisdom, we must love God first. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, soul, and might. That's the first step. That's the first part of the two parts of the law of love. So only through a self-denying love for God. Notice how I said this. Only through a self-denying love for God. Not your own self-serving love for God, but your self-denying love for God and your self-denying love for each other, your neighbors, can we ever hope to fulfill what God's commandments require. We cannot fulfill the wisdom of the Proverbs apart from self-denial and love for God, and love for others. Because this path of folly, this path of destruction, all throughout the Proverbs, comes after people who have a self-serving love for whatever they want, rather than a self-denying love. Now in verse 20 of Proverbs 2, let's go back there. Solomon says, So you will walk in the way of the good or the good men and keep the paths of righteousness. If we walk in the way of the good, if we walk in the way of wisdom, then we will keep the paths of righteousness. And if we keep the paths of righteousness in verse 21, then the upright will inhabit the land and then those with integrity will remain in it. That right there is the good path. But in verse 22, the second path is clearly made out. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Now, in the first century of the Christian church, there was a document that for many centuries actually disappeared, but was often referred to in in much of uh, Christian writings. And it was called the Didache. 
called the Didache. In the Greek, that literally means the teaching. And it was a document that was actually lost to antiquity for many, many centuries, but we only knew it existed through the references that scholars gave throughout the centuries. And it was uh, found through an archaeological dig in the 1880s. Someone found a copy intact. And at that point, it came back into publication. All scholars knew of its existence, but no one had a copy again until around 1880. We now have copies of it. And it is so rich in teaching us how the first century Christians led. This was a book that was not seen as scripture, but it was seen as a textbook for Christian discipleship. And notice here how the Didache opens. Again, the Didache can literally be translated as the teaching. And the longer translation here is the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles by the twelve apostles. So it was seen as a textbook, kind of like a Sunday school manual for discipleship is what this was. This is not scripture. It was just seen as first century teaching. This is how it begins. First opening line. There are two ways. Sound familiar? There are two ways, one of life, one of death. And there is a great difference between these two ways. I mean, this was foundational to the very beginning of Christian doctrine. This would have been what Sunday school was all about in the first century church. This would have been about, this would have been about what the, the twelve apostles, how they would teach the Gentiles. Here's what he says in the second line. Now, this is the way of life. The way of life, first, you shall love God who made you. Second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound familiar? But whatever you do, do not wish to happen to you. Do not do to another. The very beginning of the teaching of the apostles to the early church started with this law of love, this two-way path. And so here's the question. Are you on the way of life? Are you on the way of life here where you are in verse 21 of Proverbs chapter 2? Will you eventually inhabit the land of God's kingdom? Will you walk with integrity and remain in that life of integrity? Or are you walking the path of the wicked, cut off from the land and cut off from the treasure? You see, God tells us through Solomon and his wisdom that if you are of the wicked, you'll be cut off, number one. That's not very nice. But you will also be rooted out because the treacherous will be rooted out of the land. I would argue that in God's kingdom, manifested in what we have here called the church, not that Sovereign Grace Baptist Church is the kingdom, but we are are reflecting the kingdom here. God himself, who is holy and righteous, will either give the gift of wisdom, his son Jesus Christ, to those who seek it, or he will root out those who do not want it. It is not up to us to decide. But we have enough teachings and enough wisdom here to learn that the path of righteousness is the path of wisdom. And the path of wisdom is Christ himself. Jesus modeled it for us in his life, in his ministry, 
in His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. Those who are desiring to know how to live right and to be good will find that answer in Jesus Christ Himself. Not that Christianity is a check-off list lifestyle. We all know that's not the case. It is a struggle. So the wisdom of Proverbs, I think, is something that if we look at it from the perspective of the Proverbs are pointing to the wisdom of Christ and Christ alone, rather than a check-off list of what I do, then we will see the wisdom here that is granted through God and His servant Solomon in such a way that it opens up our eyes to see Christ even in the wisdom of the Proverbs. Amazing. Let me close this in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that you are showing us the path. That you are speaking to us with a voice that should be heard. And I pray, dear God, that each of us who are listening to your voice, not only through your word, but through our relationship in Jesus Christ, that, dear God, you would constantly show us the right path. That, dear God, you would show us where we have fallen and and stepped off of the righteousness that you have shown us to follow. And that is the sign of your children, those whom you, uh, that you, you discipline by showing us where we are in error. And that is part of wisdom as well. And so, God, I thank you for this gift of wisdom that, yes, you give all mankind the ability to think and to understand logically the world that we live in. But, Father, I think you have something that is much greater than than mere logic for us to learn. And that is the love that you have for us, modeled in your Son, Jesus Christ, that we see his sacrifice for us so that we follow the righteous path. Forgive us, dear God, where we fail you. But please please bless us when we please you. And I pray, God, that the preaching of your word today would somehow resonate in each and every person who's listening, that they would hear through the wisdom of the Proverbs, Father, that you, dear God, have the right path to follow. And again, it's not a checkoff list. It is the knowledge of of relationship with you. And so, God, I pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that we would please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's stand and we'll sing one more song. This will be in, in your bulletin. Lord, I offer my life to you. Lord, I offer my life to you, everything I've been through. Use it for your glory, Lord, I offer my days to you, lifting my praise to you. As a pleasing sacrifice. Lord, I offer you my life. Sing it one more time. 
Lord, I offer my life to you, everything I've been through. Use it for your glory, Lord, I offer my days to you, lifting my praise to you. As a pleasing sacrifice Lord, I offer you my life